Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and I'm here looking for my buddy Seth. Seth, you out there? Hey, I'm back from vacation. I'm ready to go. I've got all kinds of energy, so... Oh, good, good, good. Yes, you were on California this week, right? I was, yeah. I went to San Francisco with my two girls, uh, looking at some colleges out there, and had a great time. We we saw the schools, but we did a lot of other stuff, too. Um, and it, it felt like I was gone for a while. I know I kept saying to my oldest, feels like we've been gone forever, and she was saying the same thing. I think just finally getting away from the daily grind was... Um, really refreshing. That's nice because usually, at least for me, I feel like any vacation is always too short. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> never, never long enough. But I'm leaving on vacation tomorrow, so uh, I'm getting ready to head out for a week of beach time up in Maine, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the one day then that we're both around. So I know we've overlapped. I missed you this week, and you'll miss me next week, I'm sure. But I will. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, we did see each other last week, uh, which was nice since we're, we're, not, uh, we're not in the same location very often. Uh, we were at our event, our annual shindig called Channel Con. Uh, this time it was down in Austin, Texas, which is a city I'd never been to before. So, uh, And I found quite up my alley. Let's just put it that way. Um, but yeah, I good. didn't realize you had never been there. I thought you mm-hmm. had been. I hadn't been, but you've been everywhere. I figured you had been there. I know. It's one of those things. I've been to a lot of places in Texas, but never Austin, which is really the only place that kind of fits my personality that's in Texas. Right. Uh, exactly. Um, and funny, I'm going back in September because there's another event there at the end of September. So uh, I'll get two, two times in Austin um, in the same couple of months. But it was a good place. I thought a good venue, hot, obviously, uh, at this time of the year. But once again, I think uh, I'll Pat Comptia on the back did a nice job with the event. It was really well attended and a lot of energy. I thought um, I thought of all the ones I've been to as one of the best. Yeah, they kind of blew the doors out with attendance. I think um, surprisingly so. Not not that the event isn't good, but just you know looking at previous years and kind of tracking things forward, um, the the attendance really spiked this year, which is good to see. And you know hopefully that continues forward. But uh, you and I both had several different sessions there and I, I think maybe one of the reasons for the the growth in attendance is the topic of, of one of your sessions that you did a panel session that you did which is kind of that the channel itself is expanding and and the idea of third parties doing digital work of some sort you know whether it's hardware installation or software or marketing that whole idea is expanding. And so I, I, I know that there's been discussion about the death of the channel for a while, but I think a lot of those discussions are focused in on a business model within the channel that has been strong for a long time and was, was maybe the way that the channel got started with being hardware distribution and implementation. Mm-hmm. But I think the concept of the channel is expanding, and you had yeah. a panel that talked a lot more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the whole death of the channel thing um, – I think you're spot on. We're talking about you know historic reselling of hardware, and it's not going to totally die. But we, instead of talking, what I'd prefer to say is that the channel is not dying; it's expanding and it's opening up its wings to many different types of companies. And we have a new council uh, among our councils that focuses on. Um, a lot of what's going on in this particular area. It's the Business Applications Council. And they were keen on having 
um, a discussion at ChannelCon around this expanding channel. And so uh, the first day, Monday, was uh, a little offshoot of ChannelCon called the Vendor Summit. And this is where this occurred. And Todd, our CEO, opened the Vendor Summit with an interview with the CEO of AppDirect, who is really kind of front and center with this new channel, um, the ISVs that are that are coming up around uh, software as a service, and the channel that is growing to sell those softwares as a service apps, applications. AppDirect does a kind of an exchange that helps everybody find one another. Um, so that sort of kicked off the vendor summit, and then went into my panel, and I had uh, like four different folks from um, various areas in the SaaS world, or in the. I had one guy from uh, who was at a, a marketing agency, um, so that's another type of, of firm that is cropping up to do channel activities, basically to resell or do services around a lot of cloud-type solutions. And we had a really good spirited discussion. Um, it was great. I mean, basically, it was a positive discussion. It wasn't like if you don't, you know, if you don't start doing this, you're going to die. It was more like, hey, it's a big. I hate to use this this um, phrase from I think uh, I think it's from politics, but the big tent thing. Mm. Um, and that was kind of the message. And, and, you know, I think we're at a point right now where there is a divide, I think, a little bit between old school and new school. But I see that um, going away. I see that um, the channel is going to become one big thing once again, and it's not going to be running in different lanes. And that was kind of the takeaway from these folks up on stage. And they gave some insights into their own companies. Um, there was a uh, guy from SAP who was there, uh, and SAP now owns Concur, you know, the expense application that we use here at CompTIA. Um, so they're, you know, very much in the software as a service world. And he had, you know, he talked about some of the differences in dealing with channel companies that are in the cloud world specifically, and, you know, some of the things that they're interested in from a partner program perspective. You know, there are some. You know, there are some hiccups right now for some of these ISVs who are, we're sell, you know, they're small, they've got a cool cloud application, they've been selling it direct only, and they don't know the indirect world at all. And as they grow and want to reach different geographies, they're discovering that they just don't have the manpower to do that on their own, and then they, they need to figure out how to build an indirect channel. And they may go to some of these marketing agencies, they may go to the professional services People like accountants and lawyers, and we've talked about this before, who use their use their application and have them begin doing some of the sell, selling or referrals for them. Um, so, if you're a new ISV, you don't know the old channels. So you might be, you know, leaning on some of these newer players, and that's how the dynamic is shaking out. Yeah, I think that the the concept of the channel expanding and becoming a big tent thing, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is is changing not just some of the business models and the offerings, but I I think it's changing the mindset, and I think that's been a difficult thing for a lot of us to grasp. I think even those of us that are analyzing it and watching it and trying to figure out where things are heading, it's it's not so much that one person is going to go in and be the IT function for a small business anymore. That that IT function has become so complex that. It's kind of a, you know, it takes a village thing and everyone has a role and that role, you know, can't be comprehensive unless you become some kind of a huge solution provider or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it requires a lot more working together. It requires different partnerships, different vendors. Um, There's just a lot of new stuff happening there. And from the end user side, you know, I've seen in my research, 
it's getting so complex that no one, no single end user is going to try to do all the IT themselves. So they're going to be looking for third parties um, and, and typically they're probably not going to be looking for a one-stop shop. And, and so those are some of the things that are changing. And I, and I think that as we've described the evolution over the past few years, I wonder if we've almost tried to keep it in a certain box and said, you're still doing this overall function, but what you do inside that function is, is changing to be more cloud-based or data-driven or whatever. But it's actually that that box has to be rethought, and and you can you don't necessarily have to become cloud-based or data-driven. You can still do this thing, and it fits into the puzzle in a completely different way. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right there. I think it's not necessarily that you are abandoning uh, all the old things that you did. You're taking on new things, and you're doing the old in a different way. And I, I think that that's going to be the the channel model going forward. And I think you're right. That end customers are still are going to need third parties to help them with some of the complexity. Even though we see in the cloud world tons of self provisioning, you know, you can just kind of type in your credit card number and you've got a new application to put out in your marketing department or your whatever customer service department. Um, typically, those tend to be very basic, though. And if you need anything else, you need the features to be more robust. You need to tie some of these applications into other things that you have in your environment. You, oops, forgot that security was a consideration or compliance. You know, third parties are going to be needed. Now, will you go to a traditional channel firm and to do all of this? I think you're right. You're going to start looking at specialists and some of these new channel players don't look like the old channel in that. What they do is they don't call themselves the channel. They're just a company that specializes in X type of IT service or and it's not necessarily it's not infrastructure related it'll be like helping you run your business more efficiently um, through data you know uh, data analytics or something like that and that's their that's what they're experts in or we can build your website we're an absolute expert in that um, and those are the things that you know end customers they're looking for that what what the activity is that they need versus whatever the nomenclature is where the channel where an IT services provider you know what I mean mm-hmm yeah, I, I think that that's adding to some of the confusion here, you know, that uh, I know our friend TC that we've had on the podcast before, he's kind of mentioned that, you know, when we're talking about the channel and we know what we're talking about, and then we have a firm like a digital marketing firm, and we're asking them, are you doing like a channel function? They don't necessarily even know what that term means. They don't recognize that as a thing. They, they say, here is what I'm doing. You know, I don't know exactly what you want to call it. And so I think our language sometimes can get confusing there. But at the end of the day, we're, we're really all trying to do the same thing. Uh, and, and at a very high level, we're providing technical digital services to our customers. And, and so I think that as some of the dust settles, the, the, the channel and these new firms are going to figure out a way that everyone is working together. And these discussions that we have at ChannelCon and other events are going to reflect uh, a lot of those new partnerships and, and new ways of operation. Yeah, I agree. And I, I predict, you know, within a few years from now, we will not be talking about the ex- alternative or expanding channel. Or this whole dynamic will, will be just, it will have erased in a way um, the distinctions between the two, and it's all just going to be one big channel again. Yeah. Maybe we don't, maybe we don't call it a channel, but, but. We had other sessions at ChannelCon um, besides this one. This was a big topic. It was kind of the big thing on the first day, but each of us had a number of other sessions. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about your innovation session or 
Oh. Well, I think that one and the other panel that you had both kind of get into the details then of, of what this transformation begins to look like. You know, not, yes. not only are you just trying to add new line items to a portfolio, but if you're beginning to operate in a different way, and especially if you're becoming more concerned with matching technology to business objectives for yourself or for your client, then operations come into play more. And I know you had a panel on operation and mm -hmm. my session on innovation was really about having processes, not just bringing in the technology that's going to allow you to innovate, but having the right processes and mindset that allows for that. And in my session, it was really interesting to have a COO and an owner of a business talk. So neither of, of which are, are hardcore technology guys doing that day in and day out like a CIO would be. But it's obviously crucial to the new type of organization that either a solution provider is trying to become or even an end user is trying to become that that these processes of having everyone come to the table and understanding what you do with new ideas and how you send them through the organization and how you make decisions all of those are really critical as you do have all of this new technology that needs to be evaluated and brought in in some way and ultimately drive business value and not just do the same IT things better or faster but really allow the business to do something new. Yeah, um, I totally get that. And I, I, I'm going to say that the panel that I did on operational efficiency was probably one of the, it was very well attended, but it was one of the most engaged panels I've done, and I've done a lot of panels, as you know. Um, people were really keyed in. This was very channel-focused, very managed services-focused, uh, which, you know, managed services it's absolutely crucial to be efficient and have all your processes down. So this kind of links to, to the session that you did, and it's what they talked about quite a bit, is making sure that you've got process in place and it's repeatable and you stick with it. Uh, at one point, the discussion veered off into you know uh, firing customers who just throw you off your process. You know, they're paying you, but they take up more time or, you know, they're always sort of getting, um, getting you knocked off w the way that you normally do things in an automated fashion. And you have to cut your losses with some of these customers sometimes. So that was an interesting kind of diversion within the, within the, uh, conversation. But, you know, these folks really had a lot of good advice and the audience got, got quite involved too. They were talking about at one point, one of the audience folks was talking about, um, having nine employees. And all the processes that were in place for him to run his business efficiently with the nine employees and everyone was humming along like well-oiled machines when he had went through a hiring um, surge recently and went up to 15 employees said nothing works the same now he has to redo go in and rethink everything and you think that's not that dramatic nine to 15 I mean it's still a small company but apparently it threw everything off its axis and you know and so from a operational standpoint they had to rethink everything from workflow to how to, you know, for go to market to everything internally. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, there's so much focus on the technology. Uh, and there are so many new things that can be done. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But the more I've looked at it when I've done digital organizations, or when you've done um, line of business buying, uh, mm -hmm. we see that it's really those workflows and those processes and the operations that need more attention and are more difficult than bringing in new technology, which by itself isn't uh, a small task. So I, I can see going forward that I'm going to continue focusing on the operation side of things, you know, how technology 
plays into operations, you know, how a CIO works with the COO, how it all comes together to drive a business forward and allow a business to grow or allow a business to diversify or build new products. But that operation side of things, obviously, as you saw with your panel and the attendance there, uh, is, is of high interest to a lot of people. Absolutely. I mean, people just want to know how to run their business better uh, and make sure that, you know, and that's obviously for the bottom line is to be able to squeeze as much margin and profit out of what you're doing and not be wasteful. So it's, uh, I wasn't surprised that a lot of people were interested in those particular sessions. Yeah. So last up, you had another session on um, emerging tech. Was that I, right? I had an emerging tech session. This was I did an interview with Frank Coker, who's uh, been a friend of ours for a while, and he actually teaches a class at University of Washington that looks at these different technologies and and some of the implications of the technologies. Uh, and and that was a packed room. Obviously, uh, people are always wanting to hear about what's coming on the horizon, and and I think we even saw more interest in that this year uh, among among the attendees, people wanting to understand if, you know, artificial intelligence or blockchain or these things are, are going to be real products anytime soon. And so Frank and I talked a little bit about that. Um, I don't know that we came up with any real specific answers. I know that later this year, we're going to be doing a study on emerging technology and, and trying to separate out some of the hype from reality. And, and when it comes to emerging tech, I definitely believe that there is a difference between theoretically possible and practically achievable. And you can read so many stories about AI can do this thing or a bot can do this thing or robotics is going to drive away these jobs. And again, those things in theory can all happen and, and maybe they will turn out to be true, but getting them into practice, having a business adopt them is kind of a different story. Uh, and so I think there is a grain of salt that you have to take with some of the emerging tech stuff, but uh, Frank and I had a great discussion. He's got a lot of good insights from his students that are seeing this stuff in the wild and doing some of their own research and, and bringing it in. And there's definitely a lot happening out there. I, I think that Cloud computing um, skewed people's expectations, and so everyone is looking at each of these technologies and kind of expecting it to be as accessible and adoptable as cloud was. And I think in reality, cloud was more of a singular event, kind of the exception that proves the rule that these adoption curves are kind of long and painful and might need to trickle down in some ways. But we kind of covered the gamut there. And we had a lot of good questions, and, uh, and, and I believe that some of that was also carried over into the other technical track that was happening and some of the other sessions, too. Yeah, I think you're right about emerging tech. Um, I think there's a lot going on. Um, I think there's a lot of talk in particular, but I do think um, the getting it into practical application is going to take a while, and that's certainly going to be the case for the channel, getting it into practical application, as in we sell and specialize in these types of technologies. But it's still fun to talk about them, for sure. You had another session, though? Was it security, or was this all within the same session? No, I, I ended the, the day, and I ended the whole conference with a session on security. And I think that that's a great contrast to some of the emerging tech that is as fun as it is to talk about, and right. as much potential as there is, everyone still has practical stuff in their day job that they're still worrying about. And, and security is probably the top of the list. I know I was worried going into that last session because it was kind of a, 
a triple interview that I was doing. I did three different interviews and then we had a panel and I was kind of thinking, gosh, if it's, you know, this last session of the day, we're going to have 10 people. <laughs> and the room was full. Uh, I think it helped that there there weren't as many sessions going on concurrently, but it ended up having a lot of energy and the, the people on the panel were experts. Uh, they knew what they were talking about and they brought a lot of good information in. And again, like I was saying, that kind of in contrast to the emerging tech and the hype around that, Mm-hmm. This shows that everyone still needs to understand what's going on day to day, and security is is a huge topic there. You forwarded me an article this week that kind of highlights that for as long as we've been doing security, and as much as we might think we know about it, um, in in a lot of ways we're still kind of doing it wrong. Yeah, that uh, that article was very interesting and and actually quite apropos given the fact that my email was hacked yesterday. <laughs> one of my emails, I'm not sure which. I'm still <laughs> just trying to figure that one out. But I did a lot of password changing yesterday. Um, and, you know, the article was the, the and I, I cannot remember the man's name and I don't have it in front of me right now, but the, the person, uh, the security expert who said that the, the way that we should be doing passwords is to be using all of these like ampersands and other kinds of, you know, um, funky punctuation, he regrets it. And that was the word, regrets it. He thinks that it is, it's rather than be um, a good thing, it's been sort of a negative. And I personally will attest to that because I've tried doing passwords like that and then I always forget them. And then every time I try to get into whatever banking app or whatever I'm trying to go to, I have to reset my password and that's always a nightmare. And I think it's just the, the productivity there is lost. And because these are such arcane and strange passwords to begin with, you, they're impossible to keep in your head. So you've got to write them down. And, you, you know, word number one was always don't write your password down. So I think he even thinks, you know, it's kind of backfired. And maybe the best way to go with passwords is just to, you know, write some like a sentence, just some or, you know, lyrics from a song just straight through. And um, the article was interesting because I feel that personal pain because of those types of passwords. Yeah, and we'll include the article in the show notes um, yeah, so that people can you. check it out. Uh, but it is interesting because I think the world has changed. And in, in a world where maybe you only were going to log into a few sites you know, and, and hacking wasn't quite as prevalent as it was today, <laughs> these rules maybe made sense. But things have changed. And I know I use a password manager, which has its own pros and cons. Um, and even that... I feel, you know, isn't quite going to be up to snuff for the world that we're going into. And something like biometrics is going to be maybe employed quite a bit more. Uh, and there just has to be new thinking and, and new rules for the world that we're in. Um, mm-hmm. So Indeed. So, yeah, well, that, uh, that kind of covers our sessions. And I think that's a good overview of what the event was like. But... One major theme that uh, neither one of us, you know, participated in was the keynote from our CEO, Todd, talking about diversity. And I think that that did run through a lot of the sessions, a lot of the conversations that were happening. Uh, I, I could see, you know, on Twitter and from talking to people that it made a pretty big impact. Uh, and it was very appropriate um, as, you know, the following week here, we've had the situation with Google um, that has put diversity, you know, right back in the spotlight again, and, and shown us that we've we've got a ways to go. I think before we get to a space inside of tech and and outside of tech where we're we're treating everyone well and giving everyone the best chance. 
Yeah, it was a it was an interesting keynote. He had a lot of good data, and um, and I think this is an important topic. It's now leading. You know, we'll be discussing it because my next research study is going to be on diversity in tech and and the channel in particular. Uh, so it'll be interesting to uh, see what some of the data that comes back from that is. But you know, to speak on the Google thing, I think. It's interesting. I think Silicon Valley is its own little bubble, and uh, so I don't want to extrapolate that that you know the way that that you know the thinking that's going on behind this per- particular author's writings is permeated throughout the entire IT industry. But I do think we have a diversity issue, and I think Todd he under he he outlined it without being um, pedantic about it, and that was and that was good. And I think that there are a lot of things that CompTIA can do. There are a lot of things that vendors can do. There are a lot of things that all of us within the big Tent. I'm going to use it again. Of the IT industry can do um, to make the workplace more amenable to everybody. I guess uh, I won't single out any one group, but uh, you know, I think I think this is an issue that's kind of evergreen, and we're going to be talking about it for a while. Right, and, and to get back to where we started the the conversation with the big tent, with the the channel expanding with technology becoming more and more important and getting integrated into every company and every industry the issue of diversity is more important than ever uh, mm-hmm. i think it's it's been kind of building and festering for a long time um but it's it's really becoming highlighted now and and i think it's kind of on all of us to figure out where we might have you know some bias in our thinking where we might um, not be advocating as well as we can be and just trying to, like you said, make the world better for everyone, for, for all the different groups that, that are out there that haven't had the best chances in the past. Yeah, I do, I do strongly believe that because technology is bleeding, you know, the digital world is bleeding into every industry. We all kind of identify no matter what particular vertical you're in, you identify as a technology company in some respects because it's so important to your actual business outcomes and how you'd run your business, that outside of the tech industry bubble, the Silicon Valley bubble, those industries, you know, many of them are quite diverse already. So I'm thinking that maybe the influence of industries outside of technology or outside of IT is going to help the specific technology industry uh, be more uh, in tune with, uh, with diversity. Well, that was a quick wrap-up, and I'm sure we're forgetting a few things, uh, leaving out a, a lot of things that happened at ChannelCon, um, but that's kind of what we saw, and uh, it, like you said, it was a really good event, um, and looking forward to doing it again next year. Yeah, me too. Sounds great. Well, listen, I'm soon to be off to vacation. Can yeah, I Yeah, I don't want to keep you any longer. <laughs> no, but uh, I'll be in touch and we will reconnect for Bali again the week I get back. That sounds good. All righty. Take care. You too.